Darkcast Network. Out of the shadows comes the best of indie podcasts. On May 31st, 2014, in Waukesha, Wisconsin, two 12-year-old girls, Anissa Weir and Morgan Geyser, lured their friend Peyton Lutner to the forest and stabbed her 19 times, all in an attempt to appease the Slender Man a horrifying creature whose story is told online as a digital urban legend, also known as Creepypasta. My name is DJ, and this is the Mythical True Crime Podcast. Hello and welcome to tonight's show. A few things as of late. Uh, I haven't been posting as often as I'd like. Uh, There have been some exciting changes that have happened behind the scenes. Uh, First and foremost, uh, I'm now a part of the Darkcast Network of indie podcast creators. Be sure to look up the Darkcast Network on Twitter, Instagram, and also your favorite podcast provider. Illuminate your life with Darkcast's network of amazing shows. Out of the shadows comes the best of indie podcasts, including the one you're listening to now. Now let's continue with the show. Now before we delve into the actual story itself, it's probably important to go over what exactly a creepypasta is. A creepypasta is a horror-related legend that's been shared around the internet, Creepypastas have since been the catch-all term for anything horror-related posted online. You can actually think of a creepypasta as a digital urban legend. Much as urban legends were spread person to person, a creepypasta is something that's shared online. Actually, I believe the moniker comes from copy-paste, something that's copied and pasted in text, and that was a term coined, I believe, around 2006 for my research. Now, one of the more famous creepypasta stories are that of the Slender Man. The Slender Man itself is a fictional supernatural character uh, that originated around 2009. He's depicted as being very thin, unnaturally tall, humanoid shape, with a featureless white face and head, wearing a black suit with a red tie. Stories of the Slender Man commonly refer to him stalking, abducting, and traumatizing people, particularly children. The Slender Man now has since become a pop culture icon, although he is not confined to a single narrative. But he appears in many uh, works of fiction commonly composed online, uh, that of creepypastas. There was even a successful video game franchise that started with Slender the Eight Pages and its successor, Slender the Arrival. It also as well inspired the Enderman character in Minecraft. The actual stabbing took place in David's Park, which is a wooded area in Waukesha, Wisconsin, which was during a game of hide-and-seek played on May 31st, 2014. The perpetrators themselves... Anissa Weir and Morgan Geyser pinned down their friend, Peyton Isabel Lutner, who was also known as Bella, a nickname used at the time of the crime. 
and they stabbed her 19 times in her arms, her legs, and torso with a five-inch long blade. Two wounds were to major organs. One missed a major artery of her heart by less than a millimeter, and the other went through her diaphragm, cutting into her liver and her stomach. Weir and Geyser told Lutner to lie down while they would find help, but they didn't get any upon leaving. Afterwards, Lutner dragged herself to a nearby road where she was found by a cyclist. The cyclist called 911 when he saw her. Around five hours later, Weir and Geyser were apprehended around Interstate 94 near a furniture store in the area after walking almost five miles. The knife used in the stabbing was in a bag they carried. Their goal was to meet Slenderman and his mansion, called the Slender Mansion, at the Nicolette National Forest, roughly around a 200-mile hike from their location. During their separate interviews, Geyser was described as feeling no empathy, while Weir was described as feeling guilty for stabbing the victim. But both felt that the attack was needed in order to appease the Slender Man. Lutner left the hospital seven days after the attack, and she returned to school later that year in September 2014. Now this brings into question Geyser's mental state. While growing up, Geyser experienced many hallucinations, such as ghosts, colors melting down walls, and imaginary friends, one named Maggie and another one Sveb. One hallucination that occurred often was a man named Geyser named It, whose body was the color of smoke and ink, that stood behind her in mirrors or shifted around corners similar to that of the Slender Man. After the arrest, Geyser's mother, Angie, stated she became, like, psychotic. Correctional officers saw Geyser talking to herself often, tending to be a cat, and keeping ants as pets. She saw unicorns as well and had continual conversations with Slenderman and other fictional characters, such as Severus Snape from the Harry Potter franchise. In the fall of 2014, Geyser was moved to the Winnebago Mental Health Institute to determine if she would be competent enough to stand trial. They diagnosed Geyser on October 22, 2014 with early-onset childhood schizophrenia. However, instead of treatment and medication, they focused on explaining the law to Geyser to prepare her for trial. Nearly half a year later, Geyser was found competent enough to stand trial. Geyser's schizophrenia was continually left untreated for 19 months, leading her to remain in a state of psychosis or out of touch with reality. In December, she was sent back to Winnebago and given antipsychotics, which later allowed Geyser to feel remorse after clearing her mind. On March 23, 2016, Geyser was sent back to jail with the medication, where she rapidly deteriorated. Now, following the investigation, Geyser herself was charged with attempted first-degree homicide, Class A felony, and Weir was charged with attempted second-degree homicide, Class B felony. 
Now, due to the nature of the offenses, both Weir and Geyser were waived out of juvenile court and when they were tried as adults. In 2017, Weir pleaded guilty to being party of attempted second-degree homicide. A jury found her not guilty by mental disease or defect. Geyser accepted a plea offer under which she would not go to trial and she would just be evaluated by psychiatrists to determine how long she would be placed in a mental hospital. She later pleaded guilty, but was found not guilty by reason of mental disease or defect, and was diagnosed with schizophrenia, which her father also suffers. Weir was sentenced to 25 years to life, an indeterminate sentence involving at least three years locked confinement and involuntary treatment of a state psychiatric institute following a communal supervisor until the age 37. Now, Geyser was given the maximum sentence, which is 40 years to life, an indeterminate sentence involving at least three locked years of confinement as well, in addition to involuntary treatment of a state psychiatric institute until complete resolution of symptoms or until her age of 53, whichever may happen first. Now, it was also followed by a continued communal supervision, periodic re-evaluations, and also and or reinstitution. Plus, further treatment is needed as required by the sentence imposed. Now, while Geyser would periodically have the opportunity to petition her release from a mental hospital, uh, she would remain under institutional care for the duration of her sentence. During her trial, Geyser had also com been committed to the Winnebago Mental Health Institute and was also the youngest patient there. At a court hearing in March 10, 2021, Weir, who was at this time 19, submitted a letter to the court stating that she was, quote, sorry and deeply regretful for the agony, pain, and fear that she had caused, not just to Lutner, but to her community as well. Weir stated that, quote, I hate my actions from May 31st, 2014, but through countless hours of therapy, I no longer hate myself for them. On July 1st, 2021, Waukesha County Judge Michael Broen ordered Weir released from the Winnebago Mental Health Institute, gave state officials 60 days to draw up a condition uh, a conditional release plan and required that Weir be assigned to State Department of Health Services case managers to track her progress until her age of 37, the length of her commitment. On September 13, 2021, Weir was released with multiple stipulations to include one, 24-hour GPS monitoring requiring her not to leave Waukesha County without permission. Weir was also to have her internet usage monitored and would not be allowed to use any form of social media. Three, Weir would also be required to take medication and would be personally escorted to regular counseling sessions by a caseworker. Finally, she would also be required to live with her father during her probation. Now, Geyser's appeal in 2020, an appeals court rejected a petition that Geyser sent to be retired as a juvenile. Her attorney, Matthew Pinks, argued that she should have been charged with attempted second-degree intentional homicide 
rather than first degree and argued that Geyser gave statements to investigators before being read her Miranda rights. He has petitioned the Supreme Court of Wisconsin to review the ruling. And in early 2021, the Wisconsin Supreme Court declined to hear the appeal. Now, in the aftermath of all this horrifying information, the Crispy Pasta Wiki was blocked throughout the Waukesha School District. On the Tuesday following the stabbing, Slenderman creator Eric Knudsen said, quote, I am deeply saddened by the tragedy in Wisconsin, and my heart goes out to the families of those who have been affected by this terrible act. After this quick message, we'll be right back. If this is your first time tuning in, I encourage you to subscribe to the show so you can hear all the other episodes, as well as what we have coming up in the next few weeks. Sloshed Train, the administrator to the Creepypasta Wiki, said that the stabbing was an isolated incident and that it did not accurately represent the Creepypasta community at large. He also stated that the Creepypasta Wiki was a literary website, as it also did not condone murder or any satanic rituals. Members of the Creepypasta community held a 24-hour live stream on YouTube June 13th through the 14th in 2014 to raise money for the stabbing victim. One of the administrators of the Creepypasta website said that the purpose of the stream was to show that members of the community cared for the victim and did not condone real-world violence because they enjoyed the fiction that contains violence. On August 12th, Governor Scott Walker of Wisconsin issued a proclamation declaring Wednesday, August 13th, 2014, Purple Hearts for Healing Day and encouraged the people of Wisconsin to wear purple on that day to honor the victim of the stabbing. He also praised the strength and determination exhibited by Lutner during her recovery. In the city of Madison, Wisconsin, held a one-day Bratwurst Festival in honor of Lutner on August 29th, several days before the victim actually returned to school. Hot dogs and Bratwurst were sold to raise money towards the victim's medical costs, and the event was run by over 250 volunteers and raised over $70,000 for the victim. Now, this does have a debate on the effect of the internet on children. The stabbing resulted in an extensive debate about the role of the internet in society and its effect on children themselves. Russell Jack, Waukesha's police chief, said that the stabbing, quote, would be a wake-up call for all parents, adding that the internet is full of information and wonderful sites to teach and entertain, but it can also be full of dark and wicked things. John Egloff, which is a retired agent of the FBI, argued that the internet had become a, quote, black hole with the ability to expose children to a more sinister world. Egloff suggested that the best way to avoid future incidents was for parents to keep track of their children's online habits and to educate them on the differences between right and wrong. Sierra Chess, an assistant professor of mass media, at the University of Georgia, stated that creepypasta was no more dangerous than stories about vampires or zombies. She argued that creepypasta websites were beneficial 
because they gave people an opportunity to become better writers. I'd like to take some of this time to talk about some of the media that was generated around this time. Uh, first, there was a documentary film on the incident. It was called Beware the Slender Man, and it was released by HBO Films in March 2016. And it was broadcasted on HBO later that January in 2017. The season 16 episode of Law and Order Special Victims Unit, titled Glasgow Men's Wraith, is actually loosely based on the event as well. Criminal Minds had an episode called The Tall Man, which was inspired. And on October 14th, 2018, a movie inspired by the Slender Man stabbing called Terror in the Woods aired on Lifetime. In 2019, there were multiple films, uh, one in March that ins was inspired by the Slender Man killings called Mercy Black. In that story, uh, which stars Danielle Pineda, it was released on Netflix with no prior announcement. It was made by Bloomhouse Productions, and it tells of a story of two girls with pre-schizophrenia who attempt murder of their friend, believing a spirit named Mercy Black will offer them a gift in return. Later, the protagonist is released from psychiatric care and has to deal with the realistic and paranormal consequences of her actions. Later in October 2019, more than five years after the stabbing, Lutner, this time at 17 years old, spoke to ABC's 2020 about her experience for the first time. She spoke of her scars, saying, I don't think much of them, but they will go away and fade eventually. She told the interviewers that she met her attackers in fourth grade. When asked what she would say if she ever saw Geyser again, Lutner added that she would thank her because the attack inspired her to pursue a career in medicine. And then September 2021, in the wake of Weir's release, it was revealed that Lutner had moved out of Waukesha County and had attended an undisclosed college as a sophomore student. Unfortunately, I wish I can say that the uh, stabbing was the only isolated incident, uh, but unfortunately, moral panic spread throughout the country. Parents across the nation became worried about the potential dangers that the story of the Slender Man might pose on their children's safety. After hearing a story, an unidentified woman in Cincinnati, Ohio, told a reporter in June 2014 that her 13-year-old daughter had been attacked, had attacked her with a knife, and also written some macabre fiction, some involving the Slender Man, who the mother said was motivated, uh, that motivated the attack. On September 4th, 2014, a 14-year-old girl in Port Ritchie, Florida, allegedly set her family's house on fire while her mother and nine-year-old brother were inside. The police reported that the teenager had been reading online stories about the Slender Man, as well as a manga called Soul Eater. Eddie Daniels of the Pasco County Sheriff's Office said that the girl, quote, visited the website that contains lots of Slender Man information and stories. It would be safe to say that there has to be a connection to that. During the early 2015 epidemic of suicide attempts by young people ages 12 to 24 on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation, Slender Man was cited as an influence. The Sioux Tribe president noted that many Native Americans traditionally believe in a suicide spirit, similar to that of the Slender Man. Other Sioux described the Big Man as a messenger or sign 
warning that society is developing a, in a dangerous direction. Now, after the stabbing and negative media attention, it generated irreversibly altered the Slenderman legend and its online community surrounding it. It had been previously just a creepy horror meme that most people suddenly acquired a new level of reality to most fans. Meanwhile, by the same time, the Slenderman character had lost most of its original popularity. Most of the original blogs that had once been devoted to the Slenderman either shut down completely or just became less popular. Slenderman's presence in mainstream popular culture also contributed to the decline of how frightening he seemed to be to many people. It was later reported that in the late 2010s also saw an increase in, of benevolent portrayals of Slenderman, with many depictions of him from that period as such an anti-hero who protected victimized children from bullies, although often by violent means. In some portrayals of Slenderman, some in the late 2010s, he is a daughter, he has a daughter named Skinny Sally, who's portrayed as a young girl covered with cuts and bruises. Slenderman often sometimes is portrayed carrying her his daughter on his shoulders protectively. Now, Lynn McNeil, who's an assistant professor of folklore at the Utah State University, observes that the increase in benevolent portrayals of Slenderman seem to have begun shortly after the stabbing in Waukesha and states that this trend towards a benevolent Slenderman may be a reaction by fans of a character for the violence of that stabbing. Now, despite the decline of his popular interest in Slenderman, commercial adaptations of the character continue to this day. Several scholars have argued that despite being a work of fiction and with an identifiable origin point, the Slenderman represents a form of digital folklore Shira Chest again argued that Slenderman exemplifies the similarities between traditional folklore and the open source ethos of the internet, and that, unlike those traditional monsters, such as vampires and werewolves, that the fact that the Slenderman mythos can be tracked and signposted offers a very powerful insight into how myth and folklore form. Now, despite his folkloric qualities, the Slenderman is not public domain. Several for-profit ventures involving the Slenderman have unequivocally acknowledged Knudsen as the creator of the fictional character, while others were civilly blocked from distribution, and after legal complaints from Knudsen and other sources. Though Knudsen himself has given his personal blessing to a number of Slenderman-related projects, the issue is complicated to that fact. While he is the character's creator, a third party holds the options to many of the adaptations into other media, including film and television. The identity of his option holder was also not made public, although Knudsen himself has argued that his enforcement of copyright has less to do with money than with artistic integrity, with this quote, I just want something amazing to come off it, something that's scary and disturbing and kind of different. I would hate for something to come out and just be kind of conventional. And that ends tonight's story. If you enjoyed tonight's episode, I encourage you to check out my social media platforms on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Also, consider supporting the show. I have links to support my show and also my Patreon in the description box below. 
There you can also read a description about tonight's episode. And while you're there, consider subscribing. Subscribing ensures that you don't miss a new episode. Again, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed tonight's episode. My name is DJ, and you listen to the Mythical True Crime Podcast. Good night. Thank you very much for listening tonight and being part of the Mythical True Crime community, hosted by me, DJ. Subscribe to Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to get your weekly updates. And if you like what you hear, consider subscribing. Subscribing will directly support the show and the work that I'm doing. If you'd like to be a new supporter, consider clicking the link in the description box below. For less than a cup of coffee a month, you can help me continue to make great content for listeners everywhere. No commitment, cancel any time. This has been the Mythical True Crime Podcast. My name is DJ. Good night.